Welcome to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of Greyhound racing interviews, insights, and a whole lot more. With your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Well, welcome to episode one of Gone to the Dogs. I'm Danny Jackson, and with me today and for the rest of the time is... (laughs) It's me, Joe Andrews. Hello. Happy New Year to you, Danny. Happy New Year to any listeners. I don't know if it's too late to say that. It's the 13th today. So, yeah, is it? No, it's not too late. Never too late. The first couple of weeks, everybody doesn't really know what day it is, what the name is, whether they've been to the gym, eating a salad, whatever. So it's it's just that bit of time where everybody's kind of praying for the end of January because then they can give up. And if they're doing dry January, go and have a glass of wine or a pint or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's you can still say Happy New Year. Good. Well, I already have. (laughs) Well, we have got some news for you for the first couple of weeks of 2023, starting with the guy that has made, I can't speak, iconic. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well look this is great news in my opinion it's great for the sport if you haven't seen already Wayne Mardle had a winner at Oxford the other day called why wasn't I told um as a new dog he's he's also looking to get a new dog with with world darts champion Michael (laughs) Smith and they're going to call it I can't spake if you haven't somehow seen the incredible leg of darts from the final then you should should look at it find it on Twitter etc but as I said look it's it's Whenever someone that's not involved in greyhound racing that has a platform gets involved, it's a time to be very pleased because he's got a lot of fans from darts that follow him. Mm. You know, he's going to be highlighting the fun of ownership. Hopefully people will see that and go to the track, follow his dogs, um, hopefully look at ownership themselves. Who knows, you know, looking mm. at get involved in a syndicate, but it's a great new platform for the sport and it is only a huge positive. And Wayne, if you are listening, please come on to our podcast. Yes. We'll be in contact. (laughs) Uh, Now, we've had uh, another big event coming up in the next few weeks, actually. I think it's on the 12th of February. I'll be there. I've already got my disco ball dress. Of course, talking about the GBGB Awards and the categories that have been announced, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many good dogs, as you'd expect. Um, the bitch category in particular, you've got Cool of Anianti, Fabulous Azora, Slick Sakina. Um, three amazing bitches there. Slick Sakina is also up for Newcomer of the Year and Standard Distance. And she's up against Mickey's Barrett and Derby Hero, Romeo Magico. So it's going to be a great night. Um, and yeah, have a, have a good time. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, and also to say as well, I don't think anybody will be shocked by the trainer's title. That, of course, has gone to uh, the champion, Mark Wallace, and the owner's title, who have won it eight out of the last nine years, the KSS Syndicate. So I know Dave Firmager gave them a run for the money in 2022 and in the Derby, of course, but KSS Syndicate have pulled it out of the bag once again. And Joe, are you going in for that title this year? <laughs> if only if only yeah that would be nice one day maybe in a, in a few years time but no they've got so many good dogs the KSS syndicate and, and none more so exciting than from poster pillar who is already the derby favorite I think he's a short of 16 um, sorry I think 16 to one's top price at the moment so uh, you know another great set of greyhounds to go to war with in 2023 can't wait to see from poster pillar again I mean I've seen him a few times now, not in the flesh, sadly, but I have seen him a few times. And gosh, the speed on that hound is he's unreal. I, I can't wait to see him again. So very excited. 
Well, unfortunately, uh, my, one of one of uh, Andrew and my dogs, Lively Lauren, got to the final of the puppy collar. Um, she barged him out of the way at the first turn, which was great. But his his speed down the back and and was was just incredible. Uh, and then you know he seems to see the trip out so well. Um, and his cat won success last time out. You know, absolutely incredible run. And he does look like a, a special dog from the top draw um, and one to follow. And and if for any reason you haven't seen him already, go and try and find some replays because um, yeah, some breath taking performances absolutely so certainly uh the dog to side with potentially if you are an anti-post picker in the derby not that i do i got my fingers burnt with ice on fire years ago so i am not betting anti-post anymore until we were about you know the eve of the first round i think that's when i started to put my bets on talking about uh greyhound trader sales as well i think they've been recently and they've got another at the end of the month or is it february yeah, absolutely. They're, 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 it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, they had their first online sale of the year last weekend um, and people are still buying dogs at, at decent prices. They had um, Ballymac Shea, which was their highest ever dog in the sales, went for t- just over £23,000 um, to Kevin Boothby. So that'll probably be called Savannah something going forward. <laughs> um, they, they sold 10 of the 17 dogs for a total of 61 grand. So look, wow. the market's still there. The um, unlocked dog, uh, the bitch, she went for um, 9375 to Mr. Barber. And I think she might be being renamed Barley something or other. So have a look out for her. Um, and the next one is is on track at Sheffield on the 18th of January. So um, so watch that. And I think I think the the next online one will be in three or four weeks. It's in February anyway. So so keep an eye out. Fabulous. Yeah, great to see that there is still money floating about as well for the top dogs. It, this has been mentioned a lot, but the fact that the GBGB has, has published the full calendar for 2023 of Cat 1 races, yeah. I think there's 58 events this year, is brilliant. And it allows owners and trainers to, to plan out and buy dogs for certain competitions well ahead of the schedule. So that's nothing but a good thing too. And not only that, it helps Gone to the Dogs podcast as well with our scheduling and figuring exactly. out when we're going to talk to you all. So yeah, and we need perfect. all the help we can get. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. We are going to, well, actually, I think we've done a good job so far, but we'll definitely get better as the uh, episodes go on. Uh, we've also got a few track things to report as well. Crayford had a bit of an issue with the hurdles because Sporting Chile in a, a pre-race trial did go through the wing of the second hurdle, but he he's fractured a hock, but it's pretty straightforward and he was, he was okay. Took them a while to get back on track with the hurdles, but that meant I could watch four hurdles races on the card that I was covering um, last week so very very happy because hurdles are my favorite I absolutely love watching greyhounds jump about love it won't ever not love it and I want more tracks to have hurdles uh, we've also had toaster of course they were having a bit of a bad time of things weren't they with the puppy derby plagued by trouble left right and center but he promised to put the remedial work in and the blue ribbon trial stakes went without a hitch so that is only positive going forwards I know that people are going to say they went off late, but the trials just ran a little bit late, which can happen at any track. So thankfully, everything went off without a hitch and we were we were rewarded with some really good races, actually. I'm yeah. excited to see that competition progress. And also some news from Suffolk Downs, as long as they get their GBGB approval, which should be next week, they are going to be staging some stayers races because they've got the six bend traps, hopefully going to be uh, in position, aren't they, Joe? Absolutely. Yeah. I think this has been talked about for a very long time. So there's going to be a lot of happy owners and trainers at, at Suffolk Downs now. So more good news. I can't wait because Six Bends are my favourite trip. What's your favourite Greyhound race, just as an aside? 
kind of distance. You put me on the spot there. I mean, I don't really have a favourite. I like the variety in a, in a card. You know, I don't want a card where there's, you know, 10 sprint races, but I like, you know, a couple of sprints, mainly standard distance and then some staying, you know, some staying races as well. So I wouldn't say I have, have a favourite. Uh, and hurdles, Jeff. And hurdles, and hurdles. sorry, and hurdles, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Now, we interviewed Kevin Hutton earlier on in the week and we are going to play that interview shortly. Thank you for all your questions, firstly, on Twitter and via Facebook. And just to say, our next interviewee will be David Titterton. We're actually going to see him and the puppies and I can't wait. And if you do have any questions for us, or for him, not us, uh, make sure you do get in touch via Twitter. You can um, find me at Danny B. Jackson and Joe is at, at Totally Betting. But we will be tweeting different things out. So just reply to us or DM us or however you want to talk to us to talk to David, do it. Here's Kevin Hutton. <laughs> who don't know your story how did you get into greyhound racing and training did one come before the other it did yeah i suppose i'm the same as as a lot of people in this industry i was i was kind of born into it through my dad um who always owned dogs um and was an on-course bookmaker at oxford and swindon so all my early memories are from going racing with him you know two or three nights a week picking up old tote tickets and watching the dogs run and, and just having a great time. And I say dad, dad always owned dogs for, for as long as I can remember. So, you know, kennel visits on a Sunday and, and going out open racing. I can remember going to Ramsgate and places, you know, that are long gone now. And we had great fun doing it. And um, so, so it always been involved uh, through, through that side of it. And then dad, dad started his own license. He started training a few dogs and it just kind of grew from there. Really got, got a job with a local trainer when I was sort of still at school, about 14 years old, did the weekends um, and absolutely loved it and, and never left. Fabulous. So yeah, a bit of a family connection there with your dad. And I know that you uh, train with your other half as well, don't you? So it's big old family business. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so my mum and dad and Donna's mum and dad are, are a huge help to us. You know, even now they do a, do an awful lot for us, you know, working the kennels when, when we need. And my dad does all the accounts for us as well. So we're, yeah, we're really lucky. It's a big, big family effort still. Now, do you remember who your first ever winner was as a trainer? Because I'm sure that has got to stick in the mind. I do. I'll, I'll never forget him. He was a dog called Stanton Speckles. He was a gorgeous uh, black dog with white flecks all over him. He was he was absolutely stunning. He was one that me and my dad owned. We bought him from, um, I think it might have been Thurley Sales when, when we went over there once. This was before we started training, actually. He's with um, with another trainer. And then when I decided to take my own license out, we obviously brought our own dogs into ourselves to, to start. And he was he was our first winner. I think it would have been September 2006, somewhere around there. But um, no, he was, a, he was a, a lovely little dog, real character. And um, he, he won a lot of races. He was good fun for us. And I was going to say, you know, who have been your favourite hounds that you've trained over the years? Because it is usually the ones that have got those little quirky personalities, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Yeah, we've had some beautiful dogs over the years. Probably going back to the early days, um, two two dogs I kept as as pets for myself, actually. There's a dog called Shelbourne Nash. He came into us, I think it was from Paddy Curtin. He was probably sort of three, three and a half year old when he came into us, but he was just a, a fabulous dog. We used to call him Rocky um, and he was absolutely mad. He was completely crazy. 
the girls who worked for us at the time, they wouldn't even get him out of the kennel. I had to do him every time because um, <laughs> he was just such a bullet. But a great character, and, and we kept him here um, as our pet till till he passed away. I think he's about 12 or 13, so he had a good innings. And uh, we had a dog alongside him called Nyluck. Uh, we used to call her Goon. Just a little grader for us. She she won she won her races when when she wanted to, but just the the most loving personality. And so she 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 stayed here and saw out her days and until a similar age actually. But yeah, we've had some we've had some wonderful dogs over the, over the years. And have you always been at Sign at Kennels, or did that come about later? Um, no, we've we've always been here. Yeah, I've only ever trained out out of Burford. We were really lucky how we found it actually. Some friends of ours, uh, Michael Peterson, who trained at Oxford. For a long time they they were looking for new kennels and had actually visited this this farm seeing if it would be suitable for them but it, it just needed too much work and with them having a full kennel of dogs you know they just didn't have time to do it and then when we decided to, to take out a license they said well you know that would be perfect for you it's five minutes up the road you, you'd have the time to do the work necessary so we literally come up uh, i think it was a monday evening we, we met the farmer we had a quick look round. Um, and we said that this will do for us. And, and literally the next day we were up here cleaning out and, and starting the work. Amazing. So it's all handmade as well. And how long ago was that yeah. then? So that would have been that would have been early, early 2006. That would have been. Yeah. So I was still working full time. And then me and my dad were just up here all hours we could um, because it's all for people that don't know. It's all old piggeries. And so they literally just took the took the pigs and left everything. It was a complete mess. There was, you know, hardly a window in the place and everything needed a real good clean. So we just spent, I think it was probably three or four months working on it, getting all the kennels done and facilities and the gallop put in before we even brought a dog into the place. So it was um, it was a lot of work, but it's, it's certainly been worth it. It's been a, been a fantastic place to train from. And I'd say that's been, what, sort of 16, 17 years now. So, yeah, it's been, been a great find for us. Amazing. It is a lovely place for the dogs. I mean, obviously, I've been there myself and uh, cracking, cracking spot up there in Burford you've got. Now, just moving on to, to sort of the current stuff, you've had 159 open winners, I think, in, in 2022, which is some feat. Um, lots of Category 1 success. But looking forward to 2023, what are your goals? Do you, do you, are you a man that sets goals or do you just try and get as many winners as possible? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've we've never never been a kennel to to run dogs for the sake of it or or overrun dogs. So we try and pick and choose what competitions we want to go for, um, and if the dogs are fit well, they'll they'll go for them. So, you know, 159 winners, I think, is probably not the most we've we've ever had, but it's a it's a very good year. Obviously, we had a, a fantastic year on the British breeding side of it. So if we could do that again, I would be very pleased. The Monmore, Monmore Puppy Derby is always one I've really wanted to, to win. And and I'm hoping to to probably have one of our best ever teams for it this year. So that would be a that be a big aim for us. I, ho- I hope to go well in that. The elusive Monmore Puppy Derby. Well, fingers crossed for this year. <laughs> um, are you are you going to go for the trainer's title or anything like that? Um, I, I think it's just one of those things. If it happens, it happens. You know, obviously, Mark, Mark Wallace is just incredible. What, what they do every year, year in, year out is phenomenal they're they're an amazing kennel and i say i think i think we were second in it one year i think 2018 was our was our best ever year which we won you know we won a host of big races the derby the oaks the puppy derby the i think the golden sprint there was about six or seven cat ones that year so and we still didn't beat mark <laughs> so um <laughs> I'd say it's not um it's not something we we go out desperate to win by any means but um if it were to happen one day obviously you'd be you'd be delighted yeah 
Absolutely. And how big's the team now? Uh, what, dogs or staff dogs. boys? No, dogs. How many dogs are you going to war with this year? Um, we've got we've got about a kennel of 68, I think, at the minute. We will trim up on that slightly low because there's some pups in there that won't make the won't make the grade. You know, we, we want to concentrate much more on the, the open racing than the, the degraded team. So if we if we could settle down to about 50, 55 dogs, you know, with some good quality in there, I'd be delighted. Yeah. And and why why is that? Because I heard um, an interview with Mark Wallace the other day, who said he was doing the same thing this year, cutting down on the grading runners. Is that just time? You know, with with the kennel or or what? I think I think there's just too much racing nowadays. It it, it definitely starts to sour you a little bit. I, I hate all this daytime racing as well. Um, it completely wrecks how you run your kennel during the day. You know, it takes one or two people out of the out of the kennel each day, which is which is a huge amount for a small little team. You know, which most most kennels are, and it just affects the way we we train our dogs. So I'm I'm not keen on doing the morning racing or or even the too much of the afternoon racing. So you know, if we can cut down to a a nice number of, of good open class dogs and a few pups coming through. You know, we won't have so many racing commitments and we can just pick and choose where we go and, and what we aim at. So that would be that would be utopia if, if and when we get there. So you're looking at an optimum kennel size for yourself personally of around about 60, 65 now? Yeah, 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 that would be absolutely perfect. That would, um, to say, we, we, we obviously do a lot of breeding. We get a lot of young dogs through. Um, so you need the graded side is very important. You need that to start these young dogs off on. But you know the ones that are not going to make the the open circuit will, will, will be moved on, sort of thing. And um, we just concentrate on on the open racing as much as we can. Absolutely. And the, and the sign it boys themselves they've had a, an amazing twenty twenty two. What are their targets for this year? And in in particular, uh, Brody Summers has sent in a question on Twitter, just saying you know sign it Denver in particular is a favourite. How is he? And and you know what's his plans for for the new year? Well, um, I mean, Denver, I mean, what, what a year he had, um, as, as did that whole litter, really. Moments of Magic was superb. Uh, Sign at Otis, won the British Bread Stakes at Nottingham and made countless finals. He was just a, a stunning dog for us. But Denver in particular, obviously, he suffered that broken hock at, at Sheffield in the British Bread Derby final, which was a, a huge blow. But it was just one of those things. It was just a racing incident. These things happen. So Tony Brearley, his owner, was very philosophical about it. The plan is we'll... The plan is to try and race him again, but if he doesn't retain the, the same ability, he'll be retired and um, we'll probably either be sent to stud or we'll keep him here and do a few few pitches of our own. So, yeah, it was a big a big loss to the team losing Denver from the from the squad, but um, it wasn't too bad. He's been fixed up. Gabriel was very pleased with how the operation's gone. Um, he's back in, I think, two weeks to have his pin out. And we'll just see how it goes. We'll give him plenty of time, plenty of galloping at home, and, and we'll, see how he, we'll see how he looks. Yeah, well, fingers crossed he's, he's well and makes a full recovery because I'm sure everyone will look forward to seeing him again and hopefully he's near his best because if he is, he'll be competing in the Category 1 competitions again this year. Any plans for the other the, the other litters? Um, Otis et al? Yes, uh, Sign Otis is obviously in the, the blue ribbon at the moment. He's very likely to go back to Monmore for the winter derby. Runs Monmore particularly well. Uh, the British Bread Stakes, which he won last year, he'll, he'll go back to in March, all being well try and defend the title and then it will all be about the derby for him so I'd say he's just a brilliant competition dog you know he's, he's not the fastest we've had by, by any means but he's he's got a bit of everything you know he comes away he's got good early he stays well he's just a really good competition dog so um, you know if we could make a few more finals this year and perhaps win one again we'd be, be very pleased with him yeah 
the rest of it to Westwell Ema. She she come in season after the Oaks final, so she would be due to troll back in probably a month or so. Along with the sister moments of magic, they'll they'll head to Nottingham straight to Nottingham for the British Bread Stakes, and then be kept as much as we can to the bitches races um, and the British Bread races. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just been an unbelievable litter they have. We've, we've yeah. had so much fun, so much fun with them. And if we could pick one or two more up, yeah, even better. Absolutely. And and sort of Otis aside, have you got any more Derby hopefuls this year? Yeah, we have. We've got the from the established team, you know, Coppers Fox, he, he absolutely loves Toaster. Um, yeah. Made the semi-finals last year and would definitely be a better dog this year if, if you know, he gets there safe and sound and everything. Um, ran a cracker but, on uh, Sunday. Yeah, I was just about to say that. He yeah. ran an absolute stormer, didn't he? <laughs> he did, he did. He always seems to be a little bit underrated, that dog. Um, mm. I say he's made the semi-finals of an English derby. He's won countless open races. And yet he always seems to go off at, at big prices at Toasty. Yet he loves the track. So it was it was no surprise to us to, to see him win the other day in what was a, you know, obviously Azura and make it for Waz are both great bitches. Um, but I say he's, he's run against the best of the best at Toaster and always handled himself well. So he, he'll be a big part of the, the Derby team. And we've got two or three proper, proper youngsters in, you know, ones that I think could really be turned into Derby dogs. The likes of Romeo Atomic um, is very, very decent. Another dog he's currently unraced at the moment called Rioja Joey. Get your he, notebooks out. <laughs> I've just done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he um, he really looks apart as well. But we've we've got others there as well. Some say a really nice team of young dogs. You know how far they'll go, we we don't know yet. But um, at the moment, we we've got some nice ones there. Brilliant. And and the derby is obviously the pinnacle of the sport. Is there anything special or specific that you do to train for the derby? Yeah, I mean when when we had the likes of Wildcat and Bale. You know, which for our two, what I call proper derby dogs, just everything is campaigned around that derby. You know, everything is geared towards it. Um, you know, you literally pick and choose the races, building up to it very, very carefully. We didn't go for any trial stakes. We, we just trialled them, kept them as fresh as we could. Um, you know, back in the day, so they were, you had the three runs in, in the week leading up to the semi-finals. So you, you needed to keep them fresh. And thankfully that, you know, those two boys um, made it all the way. Well, obviously won it and, and Bale was undone by a, a bad draw on the night. But, um, yeah, the, the proper derby dogs are, are definitely treated a little bit different in, in the build-up to it, for sure. Really? And how did Wildcat come about? Like, Did you did you buy him from Ireland, or what's the story there? Well, it was um, we were very lucky, actually. We, we trained the, the mother, Droopers Daniil. She came into us, and, and she was just a, a brilliant bitch for us. She won the English Oaks back in 2013, and the, she had her first litter, what to now? I think it was Drupas Oscar, which we ended up buying one or two from. Um, and then the owner very kindly said, did you want to be part of a couple of the dogs from from the next litter? So we bought a, a half share in, in two dog pups, didn't even see them, didn't know you know what they were. One turned out to be Wildcat and one turned out to be Dalmar, who, who didn't actually win anything, but he made the, the ARC final, made the Irish Sprint Cup final in Dundalk as well, you know, unbelievable dog so yeah we, we were very lucky there we owned him from I think two months old that is a fantastic story and um, he's got to have a special place in your heart and the team's hearts as well oh massively yeah I mean you know the the derby it drives an entire sport you know it's what you get up every single day for it's what breeders breed for it's what owners pay fortunes of money for um, so to, to realise that that dream of, of not only training a, a derby winner but owning 
the half share as well. Say from the bits you trained to win the Oaks, it was just everything to there. It was, it was quite incredible, really. It's, um, I hope we do it again, but if we don't, you know, at least we've done it, and um, I'll never, never forget it. Amazing. Now we are just going to switch tacks to the breeding side of things because I mean, Forest Natalie, she's the superstar mum of last year, of course. But I hear or I've read that you've got a couple more talented ladies maybe lined up to be mums this year. Yeah, well, I, I hope so. We've got. Um... We've got two, two or three litters at school in at the moment. We had a really good bit. She was called Not Too Late. She was actually owned by my dad. And she won, I think it was the second race for life in, in 29-20 round toaster in the Maiden Derby. It might have even been the first race for life. She, she was a really, really good bitch. Um, she went on to win, I think, five or six races at Central Park. She was not far off the track record down there. But anyway, unfortunately, she, she suffered a broken hop down there. Probably could have run again, but we we always wanted her for breeding. She's a magnificent looking lady. She really is. Um, and her first litter of pups are uh, to Wildcat, and they're about 14 months old, so they're going off to school in soon. She she will definitely be bred from again this year. As soon as she breaks, she's going to uh, another one of our old dogs, Sign Ace. Um, so we're, we're hoping she throws. The pups look superb. You know, not that always means a lot, but um, they, they certainly look the part. Um, so she, she's very much in our plans again this year. We've just had a litter out of a bitch called Pat and Jarley, who's, um, she didn't have that many races for us, but she was very talented, um, but a beautifully bred lady. She's from Ballymac Razzle line out of Drupal, Sydney. She's, she's um, everything's there for her. Everything's there for her. So she's just had a litter. They're about three months old to, to Wildcat. So they're to look forward to as well. We'll, we'll have another litter out of Magical Vera this year. Who won the Angel of the North for us and finished second in the English Oaks. She's from the Sizzling Sarah line, so very promising breeding wise. You know, is another uh, who I'm really looking forward to seeing the pups. She only had two two pups in her first litter. One of them we're just qualifying on in Oxford now. She done I think 1570 odd the other day, which would be a, a very good run for a novice. And then as well as those older broods, we would also be looking to some of Natalie's daughters now as well. So we've got a bitch called Sinet Siren, who we kept really lightly raced because we always wanted to breed from her. Um, she won, I think she won a couple of Opens. She won three or four A1s at Toaster. She was a bundles of early. She, she was a good little bitch. So she'll she'll also be bred from uh, when she breaks in season. So, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> It'll keep us busy, that's for sure. It certainly sounds like you're going to be uh, very, very busy. And talking about the X racing size, of course, as well, um, people were in particular interested in Signer Ace and how he's getting on. Yeah, I spoke to Michael Dumpty um, only a few days ago, actually, and he said he's been really popular. He said he's certainly having enough bitches to, to prove himself. You know, if he's going to throw them, he's had some some good quality bitches as well. I think Michael put, um, I think it was Drupal's aunt to him. Um, and she's thrown some really nice stuff over the years, so that's a, that's a great start for him. Um, and I say we've we've got a couple of bitches here ourselves that we'll we'll send along. But no, Michael's really pleased with him. You know, I say his breeding is is out of this world. Um, mm. Being Lovell Blake and and Forrest Natalie, and and obviously the father's retired now, so it's um it's a good time for for Ace to to step up and and hopefully keep on getting some nice bitches. Now, you do heavily support, of course, the British breeding events. Uh, I've heard, you know, throughout the interview that you keep dropping in the British breeding uh, events throughout the year. And tell us more about that side of things. Is it something that it's it's a passion of yours? It is. Yeah, it is. I've always been always been interested in, in the breeding, um, you know, always followed it very, very closely. 
And I think just over recent years, they've, they've all done such a great job on, on what events we've got to go for now. You know, there's so, so many events, puppy events, uh, all in, maidens, you know, they've, they've done a great job. There's so, so much there. So we thought we, you know, we'll, we'll try this. We'll, we'll take a chance with a few bitches and, and see if we can get more involved with it. Um, and I mean, like last year was just a, an absolute dream to win as much as we did. Um, you know, the produce stakes was, was huge. So, yeah, we've just been really keen to, to carry on with that. And, and hopefully if we can have similar success, we'll be, we'll be well pleased. Excellent, excellent. Now, changing tack slightly, and this is something I've always wanted to know. I've never asked you, I should have, but a trainer's life, it is hard graft, isn't it? It's intense, it's busy, up early, bed late, same again the next day. What do you do to relax and how do you ever find time to go on holiday? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, holidays we don't do anywhere near enough, I think. Me and Don had, I think it was three days down in Padstow last year and, and that was it. You know, when you're pulling as many hours as we do, it's um, it does get tough, you know, but we love what we do. We really love what we do. You know, if I get home at night, you know, I'll be looking through Irish results or watching RPG TV or having some sort of racing on. I'll just, I'll just live it. I'll just live it. It's as simple as that. It doesn't feel like a, a job to me. It doesn't feel like work. It is, it is absolutely my life. So, yeah, Donna would certainly like to get away more and, and probably as we get older and cut down a little bit. That's something we will definitely do, actually. Yeah, we need to need to enjoy the, the other side of life a little bit more, I think, to be fair. Do you sort of give each other a day off um, now and again in the week and say, look, I've got it's Monday, I've got this. You you go and sit down and watch this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we do. We, we try and it doesn't always work out, but we try and have a, a day a week off or a half day a week off if we can. But, you know, things crop up, you know, you'll have vets, vets appointments to go to and, um, a competition starting on a on a different day of the week that you might normally have off and you just have to just have to suck it up and, and get on with it you know that's that's the that's the job we're in that's the life we're in so yeah it's just um but say when you we're very lucky that we we love what we do so it makes um makes it a lot easier one question i had as well when you said you mentioned going to padstow for three days last year i love padstow great part of the world if you've never been but were you checking the results when you were there and were you checking in on the team or was it a proper break? No, I don't, I don't, I don't do proper breaks. Um, <laughs> you know, I just don't, I'm always, you know, watching racing or looking at results or, you know, seeing what's coming up for sale or talking to someone on the phone about things. It's just, it's just the way I am. You know, I can't, um, we, we went to Tenerife, I think probably three or four years ago and, um, Within two or three days, I'm I'm done. To be honest, I'm ready to <laughs> I'm ready to get back into it and and watch the racing. So, no, Donna knows what I'm like, and uh, the phones, yeah, normally pretty close by. To be honest. <laughs> My name is Janice Kennedy and I run Homes for Hounds, which is based in Coatbridge, just outside Glasgow. We currently have 30 retired greyhounds working for sofas. We currently have one boy in particular who has been very unlucky in his quest for the sofa. Bo, whose racing name was Border Flatfield, is a five and a half year old black boy. 
He was in a home, however his owner's health had only took a downturn and he could no longer care for him, so he finds himself once more looking for a home. He's loved with friendly boys, fine with other greyhounds and okay with most other dogs. If you think Go could be for you, please contact us on 07765452882, email on homesforhounds at doglover.com or message us on our socials at homesforhounds1 on Twitter or homesforhounds on Facebook. Now we're talking about phones, we're going to go for the social media questions now. And Gary Sidmarsh on Facebook said, if you were chairman of the GBGB and could change just one thing in the sport, what would it be? Cool. Um, if you had a magic wand, it would be the, the compulsory levy. That would be, you know, that would transform this sport, I think. A compulsory levy, a, a proper percentage you know, to increase funding for prize money, for welfare, for, for everything is um, is where we need the sport to be. You know, I, I think with the current funding levels, it's, it's always going to be very tough, no matter, no matter who's in charge there. Absolutely. And then moving on, Paul Wing on Twitter, at the Railwayman66 says, do you think we'll still have a sport in five years' time with all that's going on? Now, I assume he's referring to issues at tracks and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I understand that, and I, I understand the the negativity that that um, that generates. You know, you see racing from um, wherever it might be on. You know, like Toaster with the problems with the boxes and different things they had during the Puppy Derby, and it's 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 not good. It's not good enough. Um, everyone knows it's not good enough, and it needs it needs addressing. But there's hundred percent there'll be a sport in five years' time. Um, you know, I think we're in. I think we're in a really good footing. You know, I know the GBGB and Mark Bird and whoever else is on the board have, have got their critics. Um, but I think they've done a brilliant job in securing government support, you know, with the welfare side of it, everything they're doing with, um, you know, great life for every greyhound, injury stats, um, dogs being put to sleep, you know, everything's out there. There's, there's no numbers being made up. It's all, all in black and white and it's there for everyone to see, which I think is a, a huge thing um, and I think without that the sport would have been in trouble um, mm. but I think they've absolutely done the right thing in in getting the welfare addressed and keep on doing that thing as well um, you know we're getting more and more inspections we're getting more and more things we have to do to keep up with things um, and I think it's great I think more the better um, and that is the only way we'll keep this sport going and, and get government support is, is by being absolutely squeaky clean and I think the GBGB have got us on the right foot in and yeah, I think we can we can crack on. Brilliant. That is awesome news. Uh, thank goodness that you think that as well, because I'm hoping and thinking as well that we'll have a sport in five years time. So glad to hear that we're on the same page. Now, we've got a couple of similar questions. We've got Ad Woodpad one and at Wilson Greyhounds, both on Twitter. Basically, how would you or what advice would you give to someone who wants to start training dogs and get those young trainers into the sport? Um, I think getting getting young trainers into sport is very difficult. Um, it, it's something we need to try and encourage more. I'm not quite sure how we do it, but it's so tough finding kennels nowadays. You know, everywhere seems to be going for building all the time. You know, there's, there seems to be more and more houses popping up. You know, people don't want big 
kennels with dogs around them anymore. So um, I think if we could find a, you know, or maybe the GBGB or something could do, you know, like get a big, um, big base like they used to have years ago, where you'd have four or five, you know, trainers with 60 dogs each on a big site. You know, so I think it's something we might have to look at in the future because um, finding kennels and, and introducing new people into the game is is really tough really tough and it's i don't think it's going to get any easier at all either so i don't know but that's a big big problem going forward absolutely and really good question here from adam 425 on on twitter how would you suggest young people get into greyhounds because obviously that is crucial if young people aren't getting into the sport then there is no future absolutely i mean from 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 our point of view like getting new trainers through getting new pen hands and everything like that i mean you if, if you wanted to get involved in that side of it, just, just try and find your local trainer, give them a bow. You know, trainers are, they're very open people. You know, they, they, we all need help. We all need extra pairs of hands. And, you know, if anyone rings us and are interested in helping at kennels, we, we always say, come on down and, you know, see what we're about and, you know, work a weekend or um, just get involved as much as you can. See if you like it and, and take it from there. So, yeah, so I certainly wouldn't be, afraid of giving your local trainer a ring and, and getting down there and helping out and, and seeing what it's all about. It's a, it's a great thing to do. Now, at West Country G's been in touch, says, how many dogs would you say is the perfect kennel size? Oh, um, well, personally, I'd say if we could get down to 30 or 40 dogs, that would be that would be brilliant. But um, there, there's so many things that that depends on, you know, it's your, your financial circumstances, you know, like if you're... You know, you've got plenty of money in your own place behind you. You, you know, you'd, you'd all have ten open race dogs, and and life would be great. But if you're trying to earn a living and, and pay wages and rent and you know all, all the other things that go with it, um, realistically, you've got to have a kennel of around forty or fifty dogs. Otherwise, you know, you're just not going to make it pay. So, um, yeah, a lot depends on on your circumstances for that for that question. Great. And then I know the other day you published your ten to follow on your website, Kevin Hutton Racing dot com and you did say to me the other day at oxford that you were going to update the blogs regularly this year and that was going to yeah. be a, a new year's resolution but um tummy to at tummy 24 says um you know which greyhound should we watch out for in in 2023 um well other other than the ones that made the top 10 um we've we've just welcomed a new dog called romeo cody um who is a brother to romeo atomic he's just come out of the national puppy state final in shelbourne park is is a really really talented dog He's come over for a crack at the Monmore Puppy Derby. Um, Produce Stakes would, would be made for him as well, and, and probably the the English Derby if, if all goes well. So he would certainly be our number one to follow. That's that's not on that list. But we've we've a lot to say. We've a lot of nice young dogs as well. We've got a bitch called Bally and Gemma. She is sister to uh, Patrick's dog that won the maiden impressively. Uh, Slick Santiago, I think it's called. Mm. She's a full sister to that. She's qualified 27.30, I think, in Oxford already. Um, she, she's only a June puppy. She looks very nice as well. And I've also got an unraced pup called uh, Zaya. She's a, a lovely little bitch I bought at six months old um, from Ireland. We, we reared her on and John Mullins reared her on. She's out of a bitch called Tibet, who finished second in the Irish Oaks final to, to our own Forest Natalie. So... We were always keen to to try and get a pup or two out of her if we could. And, and this little girl, say, called Zaya, um, she's only been four bends once in her life and did, uh, I think it's 27.70-odd in Oxford. Um, so she's a very promising pup as well. So, say, we're 
we're very lucky at the minute. We've, we've got a lot of nice, nice prospects. So, yeah, fingers crossed one or two of them turn out as, as we'd hope. Excellent. Fabulous. Yeah. Sorry, you go, Joe. <laughs> No, no, I was just, I was still writing down those names. So uh, I, I have got one more question. This is from, from myself. Is, is there any dogs that, that you've missed out on that you regret or, or wish you'd brought into the kennels that, that went elsewhere over the years? Cool, blow me. Um, I, I should have bought the, let's say should have bought, I really wanted to buy the Thorn Falcon dog. Um, oh, yeah. I watched, yeah, I watched him in Enniscorthy, um, was so impressed with him. His pace from two to three was just immense. Um, obviously, he was out of Wildcat as well, which was um, which I was looking out for every Wildcat dog that come, you know, that, that come out at that time. And by the time we made an inquiry in the morning, he, he'd already been sold, um, you know. So that he's probably the the biggest regret. I should have should have got on straight away on the night and, and tried to do a deal. But um, obviously, Patrick and Keith got got in there straight away, which is what you need to do. And it's just fabulous that he went on to to win the Derby for him. And the maiden derby, and obviously done, done the prospects of, of our our world cat stud uh, a huge boost. So yeah, but he's he's probably number one. I, I should have cracked on and bought him. Yeah, that's why you don't go on holiday to Padstow very often, just in <laughs> yeah. case you can't afford to miss these these <laughs> yeah. dogs. Yeah, <laughs> finger on the pulse at all times. Uh, Kevin, we've got like a minute left on this uh, Zoom meeting, so I would just like to say thank you so much for being our first guest. More than welcome, yeah. Any any time, if you need a shout out for a big race or whatever, whatever you're going to do, just just balance any time, no trouble. That's brilliant. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Cheers, Joe. Good luck, guys. thanks to Kevin Hutton for being our guinea pig really when it comes to the Gone to the Dogs podcast and our first interviewee he couldn't have been easier to talk to though and I hope you really enjoyed it and once again Dave Titterton is going to be with us uh, in two weeks time so make sure if you've got any questions you get in touch with us via Twitter so now we're going to talk a bit about the competitions that are either ongoing at the moment that are starting this weekend We've got one that's kind of started, kind of hasn't. That's the Blue Ribbon, but we'll talk to you a little bit about that shortly because tonight uh, Romford and Oxford are taking centre stage. Romford first, though. Joe, I know you've got a couple of fancies. Yeah, some fantastic racing from from Romford. Uh, first of all, uh, the Essex Vars. It's 10 to 1 the field, you know, fantastic betting heat. Really good. You've got Distant Emma and Havana Bale out who are, who are sort of the anti-post favourites. Um, mini bullet as well it, and that's in and that's in the first heat those three go head to head as well and they're three mm. of the strong fancies so that's a heat to watch out for in terms of betting I, I've had a couple of bets I, I think at a price drive on lad at 66 is is a silly silly price to be honest I mean he did a nice trial last time 35 21 you know he's 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 been in competition finals over four bends a lot of class um, and you know the, the trial bodes well, so I just think that 66 is he's he's well overpriced really. And the other one is um, Antigua Sugar, who's about 14. So obviously she's a class bitch. She's a bitch in form. She was second in the Oxford Stairs competition that they had in in December, and I don't think she's even been out of the top two in her last eight runs at all. So she's going to be hard to keep out of the frame. 
Um, and she's definitely worth a better 14s at, at Romford, I think. So so those two at a price in the Essex Vars. People didn't already know Savannah Ruinart is out. She was the favourite, Savannah Ruinart, but she's broken into season. So that's why she's not taking her place in the lineup. So that's the problem. Not the problem, but that's what bitches do. They break into season, then they don't race for a bit. And then you, you have about four months off the track. But she will be back, but she's in season. And she's also still in the anti-post market for the golden jacket, which starts later on. So um, she's about a 15 to two in some of the bookies markets. So she obviously won't be running in that either. So um, watch out if you're having a, an anti-post bet in that as well. Good advice. And also we've got the maiden competition at Romford tonight as well, haven't we? Absolutely. Um, it looks a really interesting competition. Um, it's hard to know. You know, they're all pups. Mm. Um, or, or inexperienced dogs, of course. That's the nature of the competition. They haven't won an open race. So it, it is tricky, but there is one I really like, and that's Droopy's uh, Chaser, and he's about 9-1, to 8-1. to one. I backed him yesterday. Um, he's ran some nice races at, at Romford and at Oxford too. Um, his last couple of uh, recent trials at, at Romford read well, though, 24-0-1 and, and 23-95. So if he traps better, because he, he, he can be slowly away, but if he traps better he will be very hard to beat. I think, you know, he's not been trapping well and doing those times. Mm. So um, I just think he could be one for the maiden comp at Romford, but very hard, very hard. Oh, they're always really competitive as well, aren't they? When when they've got youngsters, when they've not won uh, an open before, oh, it's just fiercely competitive. So I haven't had a go. I don't blame you. <laughs> well, the thing is, you don't, some of these dogs would have been aimed at this competition. Um, and, and I think that you had to have six runs to qualify mm. as well. So um, you don't know who's been held back maybe a little bit for, for, for this and who hasn't. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting watch. And I'm sure there's going to be several dogs that come out of it that are going to be top draw and have a really bright future. So certainly one to watch. And Droopy's Chaser, the Greyhound, to hopefully keep on the right side of. Now, talking about the um, puppies, we've got a few in action, I think, at Oxford. We have, yeah. There's the uh, puppy competition, uh, puppy cup starting tonight, which is, again, going to be really interesting and uh, informative for the rest of the season. However, having said that, Mm. and you heard Kevin earlier, we have got Romeo Atomic running in this competition. (laughs) And he's... James uh, at Ladbrokes Coral has already said he, he'd put him in at a one to three shot to win the whole thing. So, wow, it, it might not be particularly competitive on paper, but a it's going to be great to see Romeo Atomic because he's going to be a star of the future. I'm sure of it. He looks out of the top draw um, and I'm sure there's going to be a couple of other pups that come out of it that are going to be ones to follow. So not a betting heat uh, for sure, but, you know, an informative comp, same as Romford. Certainly. is. so two good competitions at um, well, three actually, Romford and Oxford this evening. So that is the 13th of Jan, of course, when this podcast is released. So talking of hot priced favourites, we've talked about Romeo Atomic, of course, at Oxford. We've also got a cracking bitch. I think he's about to turn four. I think she's only been out of the front two twice in her career so far. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah, that absolutely, Danny. The Diamond Stakes starts at Oxford too. Um, it's only a semi, two semi-finals and a final. Um, and I haven't seen any prices for this, but you've got a space jet in it, and she's an absolute queen of the track. It's it's a marathon trip. It's it's eight bends. She absolutely loves it. She's fantastic to watch. Really exciting. She's usually not the fastest away, but she has got some stamina. And when you see it kick in, it's something to behold. So you know, not a betting heat, but she's always great to watch. 
She is. She's got some really good track craft as well. And when you think she is nearly four years old, granted, she's been she had been off the track for the majority of 2022. But to come back in the manner that she has, yeah, she's had a couple of defeats, but to come back and still be right bang there at the top of her game at approaching four years old, I think it's next month that she's four, is just unbelievable. And I, for one, cannot wait to see her in full flight once again. Because like Joe said, she usually doesn't start well, but her stamina and the way she just sighed through the field. Oh, she's That is why I love stayers races. Because when they've fallen out the boxes and you think, no hope, and then they do something like Space Jet can do, oh, it's just out of this world. It really gets the blood pumping and I just get very excited. Well, you see dogs winning off the front all the time, don't you? You know, mm. f- four, four bends, six bends, eight bends, you know, it happens regularly. So, you know, no matter what the trip, when you see a dog weaving through the field and staying on and getting up, you know, on the home straight or on the line, it's, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. It certainly, certainly is. Can't wait to see her. Now, over the weekend, we have got the Blue Riband first round heats. Now, it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Because with the amount of category ones and top class uh, competitions that we have this year, there is a rule now that you can only have three rounds. I think quite a lot of tracks will implement what Toaster have done so far for the Blue Riband and have a trial stakes where the first three will be invited to the um, official first round heats the week after. That's precisely what we had last weekend. And this weekend, the uh, competition starts for real. Now, I was on Racing Post TV last week and I was saying, you know, the way that I would approach these kind of competitions um, is looking for, if I was going to have an anti-post bet, is looking for those outside boxes, outside runners, the, the real wide seeds, because you're guaranteed pretty much to get the box you want throughout the round. So for me you've got longevity in your bet. So I'd be looking at the likes of, well, I think I put right Joe up uh, last week. He came second in the trial stakes. Romeo Mission came second as well. Two massive prices at 10 to one. I think the SP, they were twenties, you know, when I was talking about them uh, last week, you've got Coppice Fox as well. I mean, he was sensational, but he's in a really tough heat um, this weekend. I think, you know, Kevin's re- really likes him. He-, he loves Toaster. We heard from Kevin saying that he really is a um, not the speediest that they've got, but he's a really good competition dog, certainly around Toaster. And he's in box five for round one. So that would be the slight question mark for me, I think, Joe, about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if you want to take an anti-post position on the dogs that you've just mentioned, you know, you've got Wright Joe is still at 50 to one to win the competition. Coppice Fox, you can get 28s. Romeo Mission 25. So there's still a lot of value to be had if, if if that's your way of thinking. For me, I've already backed Delish Frankie at sixes. Um, he's a dog I absolutely love. He, he beat um, our dog Annual Sydney in the Monmore Puppy Derby, unfortunately, but he, <laughs> he is class. Um, he really is a very good dog. Very quick. I think he got to the semi-finals of the Derby mm. last year. Um, I should know because I backed him each way for that. So I was gutted <laughs> he didn't make the final. Yeah. Um, but 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 I hope hopefully he can he can make it to the final and he's got a decent heat I think this this Sunday and the other one I've backed is make it for Waz she's still available at twenty to one twenty to one but she is a cracking bit she is brilliant um, she just tries her heart out she mm. doesn't know when she's beat she can do it from the front she can come from behind so um, I, I think she's she's got a good chance as well um, she's she's quite experienced now and had a lot of races but um, she she likes toaster and I just think she can. She can get far, so we'll see. But it, it, it's a really good competition to kick off the year. 
yeah, we'll be able to update you with Joe's bets for our second episode of Gone to the Dogs in a couple of weeks' time. So hopefully mm. we've still got the English <laughs> Frankie and make it for what's in there. But you never know what happens with these competitions. And I'm hoping that my wide seeds, or at least one of them, has got there. Copy stocks, right, Joe, or Romeo mission. Now, the big, big race of the weekend is the Cesarowicz final, of course, Central Park in the afternoon. And I've had a look at this race all ways up. And the only one I could side with is Jurassic Rose. She's unbeaten in the competition so far. She won by four lengths first round, a length last week, um, beating Close the Sky. She's got one of the faster times in the field. It's not the fastest. Farney's Chloe went three spots faster than her in the first round. Uh, she's got box four today, Farney's Chloe. The lineup is Jurassic Rose in one, two Kachis, three Luna Jezebel, four Farney's Chloe, five Close the Sky, and six Slaneyside Harvey. But the clincher for me is the fact that she's got some really good early pace, Jurassic Rose, and everybody else is a middle seed, and they kind of start in a similar manner. So Cachise might be on the tail of Jurassic Rose in the opening strides, but I just think Jurassic Rose is going to blow Cachise out of the water and the rest of them will have a bit of a job on. I think it's going to be a little bit crowded and a little bit congested around the bends, especially because everybody wants everybody else's ground apart from Jurassic Rose. She absolutely loves the rails, certainly in the early strides, and I think she's going to be pinging and uh, winning quite easily, I think, Jurassic Rose. So she'd be my idea certainly of the Cesarowicz victor on Sunday. So fingers crossed. She might be short though. Six to four at the moment, Danny, I think. But you just said she's going to win easily. So uh, it's a lump job, isn't it? Get the wheelbarrow out. Yeah, my wheelbarrow probably has a fiver in it. <laughs> and a flat tyre. <laughs> yeah, I am a right wuss <laughs> when it comes to betting. I know that I've worked for a betting company for now nearly, well, over a decade. But one, I'm pants at it. And two, I'm a chicken. I'd, I, if I put more than like a tenner on, I'm looking through my fingers, watching the race because I think, oh my God. And I know that I can just, I can, you know, I don't bet more than I can spend because that's the way you should bet. Exactly. Um, gamble away, everybody. But also, I'm just, I'm just a right chicken. Whereas the other half, he could put 20 quid and I even blink. And I'm like, I'll be panicking. I heart palpitations, sweaty. I just, I can't do it. So I'm absolutely terrible. Yeah, I think I have my biggest bets at the Derby and they are £6 combination tricasts and forecasts and wow. that's about it. Well, as yeah. you said, only bet what you can afford to lose. That is the, <laughs> that's the number one responsible gambling slogan, but that is the most important thing. Like, if you have fun while betting, it doesn't matter whether it's 20p or, or 50 quid, you know, as long as you enjoy it. As long as you're not having heart palpitations and sweating, we're all good. <laughs> when the fun stops, stop. Irresponsible gambling slogans out here, so. Absolutely. We are responsible people, Joe. <laughs> Um, I think that wraps us up for all of the big events that are coming up. We are going to do something a little bit different because it is our first podcast and it coincides with the start of the year. And that is our wish list for 2023 for Greyhound Racing. I'm going to kickstart. I want slightly less sprints, slightly more staying races, because as we've established throughout this podcast, I love a stayer. But also I think we are saturated at the moment with d4 sprints all over the place what do you reckon joe yeah that there is i mean look 
people criticize sprints there's a lot of dogs out there that want the minimum trip and, and love yeah. sprinting there's plenty of them out there but you know having said that you, you get cards where there's far too many on there and it's not that interesting when there's eight sprints on a card if I'm a viewer or a spectator it's not going to pull the punters in so uh, yeah I, I completely agree variety is the, is the key uh, what's your first on your wish list well, we could be here all day, couldn't we? But I think I've, I've got, I've just got a couple here that I, that I think are easy wins that, that I'd love to see this year. What the first one is, all competition draws stream live. So even if it's from the GB GB office at the start of a competition, um, it would be great to see that. Put it on social media. People would be interested and would, would want to watch. But also, you know, if a competition's already started, do the draw after the races for the next round mm. it gives people more time to chat and build up the, the racing it gives the bookies a chance to price up those races straight away and rejig their anti-post books and it's just more exciting you know the owners and trainers are, are likely to be at the track um to watch live i just don't know why that doesn't happen as standard yeah it certainly was something that i think is quite easy to do these days you know i could get on my phone right now and stream an instagram story you know it, it's not difficult i don't think to do it so fingers crossed we can get there because this of course is our wish list uh the second one would be for me resurgence of hurdles um at different tracks because obviously central park now no longer have hurdles we've got crayford um so i do kind of want other tracks to maybe think about it i know it's it's a tricky one i love watching hurdles i think it's you know, for the dogs that might not get a second chance at a career because they have been a little bit of a monkey and not kept their mind on the job, they've got another avenue then to go down with the hurdling route. And I know not every dog that is a monkey is a hurdler, but there are some just normal, straightforward greyhounds that are hurdlers and are very talented. But I just think it it gives that bit of variety. You know, you look at a Crayford card, for example, which is the only one I can give now because they're the only people that do hurdles, but they will have potentially a marathon, a six bend, a hurdle and a standard, which for them is very speedy because, of course, they're the shortest track in the country. But they've got all the variety there. And I think that's what we need to attract people into the sport because I know that if... If I go to a track with somebody that's never seen Greyhound racing before, I've taken my mum and she said, oh, the hurdles was fun. That's the only one she remembers. Yeah. She remember the rest of them because it's something different. So I think that's what we need. We need something a little bit different to attract the people and keep them. That's the point for me because yeah. you can attract someone and they can have a great time one day and then think, oh, I might do it for Christmas next year. No, we want to keep the people. So variety. Variety is key for me. Yeah. What's next on your wish list, Joe? Um, I just wish all trials were streamed. If you can't stream them live, just replays, you know, so so owners can watch them. It doesn't have to be, you know, a produced thing. Again, surely you can just get your phone, put it in a fixed position, a wide wide view, and just record the trials. Um, you know, it seems it seems easy, but it's not being done. Um, I know tracks like Swindon are very good at, at streaming the trials and, and mm. showing them. It should be standard. It really should. And it annoys. We've got um, a, a bitch trial in at the moment at Oxford. And, you know, you're just waiting for the result sheet to be updated and you look at the comments. But this is not good enough. I want to want to see how she's ran, you know. And my third one on mine is prize money. Um, I know we're banging that drum all over the place with horse racing as well as greyhound racing. Um, but I, I do kind of wish it was more like the Australian model. They seem to have a better kind of levy in place and all that kind of thing that you know you can go over there run for 
for what would be the equivalent of an A6, A7 over here, and you're getting a grand for the win. So you're talking 150 quid over here. It's a tenth of what they're getting over um, in Australia. So that's never going to be a quick fix. And as we said, this is a wish list. Yeah. This is, you know, it's not meant to, to be any kind of doom and glue. This is just what we would want as a perfect kind of sport going forward this year. We got anything Absolutely. else? Yeah, just just one more really. And that's um, better promotion of, of big competitions and the big events. Mm. Um, again, some tracks do it better than others. But, you know, when I look last year at Perry Bar, they had the St. Ledger. I'm not singling them out. It's not just them, but they had, you know, a brilliant night's race in the St. Ledger final and the Birmingham Cup final on one night. I think it's a Thursday night. And it just looked like it was dead. I mean, the Perry Bar's in the middle of Birmingham, surrounded by houses. Mm. And sometimes it feels like tracks are just trying to get away with the bare minimum. You know, what's the minimum we can get away with here to to run a Greyhound event? And obviously, you're going to have your graded stuff in the mornings and the days that take place. But for these, for the Cat 1 finals um, and the competitions, I just wish... You know, they were pr- promoting it locally on social media and things like mm-hmm. that. And, and and one real big wish wish for me would be, you know, for the GBGB to actually have someone that's in charge of PR, social media and just general media relations and, and you know, writing press releases around the big events, what's coming up, sending them to the big media publishers, hoping that they'll pick them up and, and show them. I mean, there's there's so many websites now that are just looking for content all the time. And if you yeah. send them content, they they, they publish it. Again, you know, Kevin mentioned about his wish being, you know, the levy and you've just mentioned it yourself. We need more funding coming into the sport to pay for these things because, you know, there isn't a a magic money tree that the GBGB (laughs) have got. But I I think that would be a really important role. And, 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 you know, it all rolls into getting more fans in. You know, if there's a bigger collective audience, sponsors are going to be more likely to to get involved and things Mm. like that. So um, I, I just wish, you know, the sport would try and increase its reach. That's all. Is that yeah, too no, much to ask, Danny? No, I don't think it is, Joe. I don't think it is. And that's one of the reasons as well we're trying to do this podcast because we yeah, want it yeah. to be full of positivity. We're trying to, you know, obviously every, every now and again, we'll have to address the the major issues that we've got in the sport. But most of the time, this is a positive hour i'm hoping it's going to be an hour an hour's podcast that we we you know we we bang the drum of how amazing this sport is we get the good guests on that can really convey how awesome greyhound racing is as a sport as um a bit of a lifestyle as well when we've got some trainers on um obviously kevin hutton said he lives breeds you know barely goes on holidays he was away for three days last year you know i know it's not for everyone but if you find that passion what do they always say joe if you find your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. They do say that. Yeah. And again, I just I'm not you know, I don't want to single any anyone out there. I've mentioned a track, but it's not it is absolutely not not just them. And I just want the sport to, to flourish. That's all. And I think that's what everyone wants. And, you know, there's been stuff said about people on social media, trolls mm. and negativity. But I think everyone just wants this sport to be as good as it possibly can be. And there's a few quick wins uh, that we can do to make it better and more professional. And there's some things that are going to take time and they're bigger. And, and you know, we need some significant changes uh, you know hopefully between us um we've got a few a few there that maybe will happen this year fingers crossed have you got any more danny no that's me done that's my very short wish list because um i could go on but uh <laughs> now i thought i'd keep it short and concise and see what actually happens this year fingers crossed we get it a couple ticks off but we'll do a bit of a review in the early part of 2024 hopefully we'll still be going by then joe 
hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this could be the last one we ever do. So <laughs> Now, I know I said I had no more on my wish list, Joe, but I've decided I've got one more. Okay, go on. It's for Gone to the Dogs to be at the top of the sports list on, um, you know, the list of best sports podcasts. That's what I want. <sighs> I, mean, I told you it was know, a wish list. <laughs> we might get live trials streamed and, and we might get more hurdles races, but I don't think that's going to happen. I thought this podcast was full of positivity, Joe. Well, you ruined it at the end with a, with a, with a <laughs> silly comment like that, a silly wish. No, on a serious note, thank you to anyone that has joined in and listened to us rambling. Listen to the brilliant Kevin Hutton as well. And mm. we hope that you join us in two weeks' time for the next one. Indeed, and if you want to get in contact with us before then, make sure you tweet us. Um, Danny V. Jackson is where I'm found and at Totally Betting is where Joe is found. Spread the word and make sure you like and subscribe as well because up in the numbers means we'll get better guests and all that jazz that everybody else says on the end of the podcast. But Guns of the Dogs episode one is over and I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Gone to the Dogs, released every other Friday. For more info or to reach out on Twitter, Follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.